This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. We began the week as we do every Monday with our Zoomer squad and no surprise discussions centered around the COVID-19 pandemic. And while we are all in this together, older Canadians have special needs and concerns as we face COVID-19. An important consideration as many Canadians came home from international travel over March break. Along with Libby Snymer, here are Peter Mugridge, senior editor of Zoomer magazine, and David Kravitz, vice president at Zoomer Media. Even though it's spreading, even though they were concerned about the higher rate of uh, fatality among the older generations in absolute numbers in Canada, it's still very low. On the other hand, uh, the devastation in the retirement portfolios, the stock market, etc., is going to be way, way, way more widespread and impact a lot more people than who are going to get sick and uh, even die from this, uh, this uh, virus. And we have to do what we're doing, but uh, it's not going to be a, an easy road back. Peter? I was speaking to a um, a financial advisor who's lived through a number of these health outbreaks, and he says, you know, there's a short-term hit to the market, three to six months, and then after six months, after you know the you know the cases have have sort of dwindled away, people are back on their feet, you know, the economy starts going again. Then you'll see the markets return, maybe not to where they were you know, a month ago, but they'll start going up after the number of cases starts declining. That's one hopeful, uh, you know, uh, something to look forward to for, for investors, but, but they're not going to recover, you know, the, the hits they've taken to their portfolio. What are people talking about? I think they're just trying to get through, you know, like they, they're trying to, to, you know, figure out life under these new measures. I interviewed a bunch of people from our Facebook site, and, and one of them said, like, it's crazy, but her daughter is in self-isolation in Vancouver, and she's resorting to lowering down a bag so people can load it with food and she can haul it up to her third-floor balcony. So when we're, we're hearing stories of that, people aren't really worried about their uh, RSPs. They're, they're just worried about getting through the next few weeks. David, another thing that I'm kind of worried about his ageism as a result of all of this. There, you know, we didn't talk about this last time, but the, I guess the, the meme started last week about uh, the boomer remover and this kind of uh, very uh, wise, cracky uh, meme that started, you know, among some millennials about um, this is getting rid of uh, the uh, the baby boomers who they uh, profess to not like very much. Uh, one columnist even said that uh, older people are less likely to be uh, concerned with climate change, so it's eliminating uh, climate change deniers. There's been a lot of very irresponsible uh, stuff on this, but I think a seri- uh, an equally serious, I don't think most people feel that way, but there is some issue about whether older people are uh, taking it as seriously as younger people, believe it or not. And um, that has also caused some friction within families. Uh, we're reading anecdotally, but quite a few of them where 
the, the grown-up kids are, are telling their elderly parents to be uh, more vigilant and the soldier people are saying, I'll be fine. The opposite of that is happening, too. We've all seen those pictures from the beaches in Florida yes, that were yes, just recently true. closed and the kids partying. Mm-hmm. And it's the young people who aren't taking it seriously. And the World Health Organization weighed in last week saying, hey, at first the thought was it really affects older people more, but that's not necessarily true. And no. I think 40% of the cases that have to be uh, in the ICU are younger people. And uh, Peter, you have some uh, younger people at home. You know, it, it's hard to tell a 16-year-old boy anything. But, and uh, <laughs> so he was, in, in the first few days, he was just carrying on as normal. But he's he's adopted new measures, uh, mainly because his friend, the parents of his friends have adopted new measures. So he's he's just, you know, Snapchatting them and, and texting them. And he hasn't been out for for a week now. So he's he's got the message. Um, it took a while, but... Uh, but I, I think that message will gradually filter out to the younger population. If people need to be updated on Corona, they can go to our website, everythingzoomer.ca, and we have um, some sections on good books to read, radio shows to listen to, yours included, and um, some inspiring stories of people who have done, you know, really cool things to get through these self-isolation measures. Okay, that sounds great. And David? Yeah, I want to just uh, echo what Peter said, the fact that it's changing so much and that the numbers change, the instructions are being adapted, which is right, but it does mean you need to keep up to date. I, I, everythingzoomer.com, excellent. Uh, also, carp.ca has uh, information as well, so I would take the time to go to both websites and make sure you're you're up to date with the latest. David Kravitz is vice president at Zoomer Media, and Peter Mugridge is senior editor at Zoomer Magazine, our Monday Zoomer Squad. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Some half a million Canadians filed for employment insurance in the first week after Prime Minister Trudeau announced quicker compensation for people laid off during the COVID-19 crisis. With many more people out of work, even temporarily, it means increased pressure on our food banks, which have more food going out the door than coming in. Libby Snymer spoke with Neil Hetherington, CEO at the Daily Bread Food Bank, to find out what we can do to help out or access food for those who need it. We have uh, been faced with a number of, of uh, challenging crises over the week where there were a number of food banks that were run by volunteers uh, where they were unable to continue operations. And so we are in uh, a mode to be able to get food to those communities, but in a different fashion. And so we're, we're rebuilding that on how we can do that to those affected areas. At the same time, the increase is only beginning. There was already a 12% increase in our, our new Toronto uh, food bank uh, usage in the one week. And that's before individuals are really feeling the effects of perhaps a, a, a server no longer having their, their paycheck this week or the week after, um, or somebody um, in precarious employment who is really going to feel that within the coming weeks. So, regrettably, we saw a 7% increase in food bank usage between 2019 and 2020, and a 12% increase um, last week alone. This is this is going to be a very difficult situation for all of us. I think that's the known in this very unknown current circumstance that we're in. What about 
people who would say like to make a donation, but they don't want to have to deliver it to the usual places? I, you know, here's where I'd encourage you to to go online or, or Walmart in terms of food delivery. Go on to Walmart or Amazon and have the food delivered directly to 191 New Toronto Street. We will sort it, pack it, and get it out into uh, into the hands of a family who needs it. The other thing people can do, you know, just this morning, the Sprott Family Foundation, they knew that you and I were going to have this conversation, and they uh, have indicated that they will donate uh, $100,000 to the Daily Bread as a matching gift. So we're hopeful that individuals over the, the course of the week will choose to make an online donation. So again, yeah, you can do it on at home. They don't need to, to go anywhere. If they For every dollar they donate, the Sprott Foundation is going to, to match that. And that's huge for, for us. We are going to be spending more and more money purchasing food uh, than we ever have because we are going to be uh, seeing and working with people who are going through tumultuous and difficult times in our in our city. And so I'm hopeful that the people listening would step up uh, to the plate, as it were, and, and make a, a financial contribution and, and, and be that, that sense of uh, hopeful leader in, in the city. We can, all, we can all make a difference, and I'm hopeful that people will take the Sprout Family Foundation challenge to heart. What about for people who, who need some food? How do they get access if they're trying to stay at home? Uh, what, what can you tell us about that? There is a mobile food bank operated in partnership with the Daily Bread and the Red Cross, but it is, as you can imagine, absolutely overwhelmed with clients right now. So as we go through our stages of of our pandemic plan here at the Daily Bread, one of the next stages that we want to bring online very soon is the ability to be able to get food directly out to individuals who are isolating um, themselves appropriately. So uh, I don't have an announcement for you uh, now, but in the coming uh, weeks, we, we hope to be able to, to have that. What we did hear, though, was an announcement from the province that $200 million from uh, uh, Minister Todd Smith had, had made the announcement that they will be providing assistance to those who are on uh, OW, Ontario Works, uh, through their emergency uh, relief uh, assistance program. And, and I, I want to say uh, how grateful uh, we are that that decision has been made. Last week, we were, we were on a call, and uh, that was the number one thing that we said needs to happen. Those who are on disability, those who are on OW, do not have the luxury of being able to go to the store and purchase two weeks' worth of food. And so for them to be able to have access to this fund uh, is critical. And uh, we're grateful that the minister and the premier made that decision. Neil Hetherington, CEO at the Daily Bread Food Bank, in conversation with Libby Snymer this past Monday. And listen for more on the needs of food banks during the pandemic on Zoomer Radio's Week in Review tomorrow after the noon news. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. How have you been managing with the COVID-19 crisis? We are all experiencing similarities, staying at home as much as possible unless physically going to work in an essential service. Members of Fight Back's strategy panel have joined us the past two Tuesdays on the phone to encourage and respect physical distancing recommendations. This past Tuesday, our panel got together on the same day Parliament reconvened to pass emergency legislation, and the day after, both 
both Toronto Mayor John Tory and Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie invoked states of emergencies for both cities. Libby started the discussion by asking her panelists, how are you doing? Here are Charles Bird, Managing Principal of Ernst Cliff Strategy Group in Toronto, John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road, and Karen Stins, former Toronto City Councillor and current CEO of Variety Village. This has uh, certainly been difficult for Variety Village. Um, we've been, as I, you know, as you know, shut down by um, public order, and um, so I'll, we've had to lay off 150 staff. And um, you know, the uncertainty of not knowing when we're going to open is, you know, it, for sure, it takes a toll on the team. And um, you know, we've been working to keep morale up as we navigate through this situation. And, uh, you know, but the impact uh, has been on our membership as well, because our members have been impacted by, you know, their, you know, their financial situation has been impacted by job loss as well. So we're already feeling the ripple effects um, in, the, in the time that we've been closed. And so, you know, trying to, again, make sure everybody, um, you know, is staying positive, doing what we need to do to, uh, you know, play our part, um, as well as keeping people, um, you know, calm, because there is, it's, so much uncertainty in so many aspects of life that uh, it is it there is a challenge. John, how are you doing? Personally, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for asking. And I think that you know we're we're seeing though this continually evolve uh, minute by minute and day by day. Uh, it, you know, with the city of Toronto announcing their state of emergency, and then the province of Ontario and the province of Quebec as well, basically saying that, you know, all non-essential businesses uh, need to uh, need to see, uh, cease and desist as far as operations are concerned. Um, you know, that that will have a ripple effect without a doubt. You know, we've already seen Bombardier made an announcement today that they're going to be shutting down their non-essential services here in Ontario and Quebec. Uh, and uh, and that's going to take you know that's that's a huge hit not only for them but for the economy. So, you know this this evolves and and it's going to continue to evolve. Um, that, so that we're going to see the the true effect of, of of what what the economy and the hit to the economy based on companies like Bombardier and others um, having to shut down services. But I think you know again the prime minister's comments today and, and others and the premier Ford who I think are, are both doing a phenomenal job. You know just making sure that that. The message is out there that they're stern with respect to making sure people do practice uh, social distancing, that they stay home. And what was, I think, more unnerving to uh, Libby was that, you know, the, the, the report that there was a million Canadians that came home, uh, their snowbirds are for March break uh, yep. over the course of the last weekend, if not if not the last couple of days. Uh, and, you know, just a thought of... of the, those who are coming over here, going to grocery stores and, and gas stations and, and other stuff, was just unbelievable. And I just hope that they all practice uh, what what the leaders have been telling them to do, and the healthcare workers have been telling them to do, which is to stay home, let somebody else do that work for them. Charles Bird, what about you? How are you doing? Well, we've got all of our staff across the country working from home at the moment. I think I may have been the last one to make the move. I I started working out of our my home office on. Thursday. You know, there are some important distinctions to be drawn in terms of the experience that a lot of us are going through. Um, for starters, I think a lot of people are discovering that, it, that you know, working from home is, is doable if you have the right technology and if you can stay connected with your coworkers and with your marketplace. Um, in terms of the list that John was referring to issued by the government of Ontario and the government of Quebec, that, that those were a list of essential workplaces that will be allowed to remain open. 
And um, it's interesting that some of those places um, may or may not be um, viable, just given the extent to which the economy has effectively been put on pause, Um, which, of course, is the $64,000 question, which is when we're through the brunt of the crisis, whenever that is and whatever the new normal looks like, um, just how much of an economic hit will we have sustained? But I, I agree with uh, John's comments about the leadership of the Prime Minister and uh, not only Premier Ford, but Premier Legault, Premier Horgan and others. I think they've done a terrific job. And I really feel for Karen's um, for Karen's people um, because there's a lot of that going on at the moment. Uh, Karen, what are you hoping might happen between now and the next time we talk? What does success look like in this battle against this virus? Um, and again, I know that it's it's a bit of an unknown, but um, you know when when can we as as a population start looking at these numbers to say okay we're you know we're getting ahead of this we're beating this because at this point all all we do is wait for updates every day and we're told stay home. At at some point we need to know when we can start living our lives again. And if it's if it's Labor Day and businesses can't open until Labor Day. Well, I, mean, I, I don't understand how we could even have that happen, to be candid. I, I don't even know how that's even a possibility. Staying closed until Labor Day? I don't know how we would survive that. Karen Stintz, Charles Bird, and John Capobianco, our Tuesday strategy panel. This is the best to fight back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. One way to overcome the boredom and anxiety that comes with physical distancing is to spend your energy trying to help others. A lot of this is happening at the neighborhood level. Members of one residence group are helping to feed people who may be struggling financially. The St. Clair West Residence Group has arranged a fund with Frank's Pizzeria to send pizza to families who are now short of cash. The owner of this neighborhood institution is Giorgio Taverniti. He sent his workers home and is working alone to help out those less fortunate. Giorgio joined Libby for a conversation on Tuesday. Basically, the, the organization set up a fund. People will call me. Uh, we'll take a payment over the phone on a credit card, put a fund aside, and people can call us and uh, have the free uh, pizza, pasta, whatever they like to uh, use it for. Does the group, the Residents Association, tell you who to send the pizza to? How does that part of it work? Okay, so uh, it was initiated. A gentleman started up the fund, put a great deal of money into it, and the people are contri- uh, contributing towards it. And then somebody will call and just say, I want to use the fund for uh, a meal. Uh-huh. That's it. And, and we just send them the food, no questions asked. You don't have to explain yourself, you know, why you need the meal, why you can't pay. And we just send it over. Is it, is it just for your area? Uh, we, we are trying to extend it further. Uh, uh, my drivers are going a little bit beyond their area. Uh, but if somebody can come pick it up if they're out of our area or a neighbor picks it up for them, we will definitely send them the food. No problem. It's not easy for you either. How many workers do you normally have there, and and what's the situation now? Yeah, usually there's about six of us here, Uh, and right now I'm down to myself, which I shouldn't be working, Uh, and my dad is luckily uh, visiting me from overseas, and he's stuck here, so he's giving me a hand, Uh, and I have a driver, so it's basically me and a driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my wife, who runs, uh, was running the restaurant for me, is at home taking care of the six children now because she's worried about the kids. How many? Six children. Oh, my goodness. You're rich in children. <laughs> yes. I, I, what, what is that like, having six kids at home? Uh, it's challenging. It's challenging, but, you know, you make things work. 
Mm-hmm. And um, what kind of hours are you working there? Uh, right now, we are trying to stay as long as possible. Last night, I was here till midnight. Oh, uh, no. Just trying to get people fed. We get calls all the time, uh, and people have stories uh, that are heart-wrenching. People are telling you their stories while they're ordering some pizza? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, 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 and to, usually to get an order, it takes about a couple minutes, not even. Now to take an order, it takes five minutes people want to explain themselves and their situation and how why they can't go out and get food for themselves. And is it because, I'm, I'm assuming it's because uh, people may have been laid off and they might be people who have no backup, who have no protection, don't qualify for employment insurance situations? That, that's correct. And there's also people with uh, some major disabilities who, who shouldn't be out in, uh, in supermarkets or traveling around uh, and they're stuck at home uh, for, their, for their safety. And we're getting a lot of calls like that. Uh, my dad went to one uh, lady, and unfortunately, she was in a wheelchair. Uh, and uh, she says, I don't feel comfortable going out at all. Well, uh, and rightly so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Your other workers, you said there are about three of you there now. Your others, uh, have you laid them off? Yeah, we've laid them off uh, well, for the time being, and hopefully this will resolve uh, sooner than later. And uh, we can get everybody back into the restaurant because we do have a dining room. And uh, we, we actually shut the dining room down on Thursday ahead of everybody else uh, because I was w- worried of uh, my kids getting uh, ill, uh, my wife getting ill. Uh, so we closed the restaurant up on Thursday, and a lot of people thought I was overreacting. Uh, but then by Friday morning, uh, or Friday afternoon, I should say, everybody in Toronto was kind of following the same procedure. How much have you lost as a percentage? <sighs> I want to say we probably eighty percent. Wow! No one's we, no one's so it's just strictly takeout, strictly takeout, and uh, of course when people dine in they'll have a glass of wine uh, and a dessert. You know, uh, they hang out a bit more. Uh, now it's just they'll have a pizza and and they'll feed the family, which is fine. Uh, we are totally content with that, and uh, you know we're, we're happy we're still able to function. So uh, I'm not going to discourage you know people from ordering. Uh, Giorgio, do you have a sense of, of how long you can keep going like this? Uh, not too long. Uh, uh, we're almost, uh, I, I'm, we're getting afraid. Uh, I'm not in the greatest health conditions myself. Uh, so it's something I, I'm going to try my best and, and as long as I can. Uh, I'm dealing with my own medical conditions right now. and uh, But I'm here to help the community because they've been a great help to us. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. Giorgio Taverniti, owner of Frank's Pizzeria in Toronto's St. Clair West neighborhood. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Fight Back with Libby's Nimer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the week. Bill in Brampton phoned to say it seems inappropriate that car insurance companies are failing to offer financial relief during the COVID-19 crunch. Brampton has been kind enough to waive property taxes for the next five months uh, if we need it that long. I called the CAA and they were able to reduce my membership for me because it's come and due. Mm-hmm. But this morning I called my car insurance company. Reason being, it's lovely that gas is down to 70-something cents a liter, but you can fill your car full of gas and you got nowhere to go. You're supposed to stay home. 
all now I would have to use my car for is to go to the pharmacy to get my meds and to go to the grocery store to get my food. And do you think the car insurance company would give me a break? This is what they said to me. Well, your next premiums due April the 1st, so you don't have to pay it on April the 1st. But what we'll do is we'll postpone it till May the 1st. So on May the 1st, you pay double. I said, well, what have you done for me? Nothing. Sam in Toronto called to say most Canadians cannot afford to sit at home indefinitely despite COVID-19. Even with all the rules that they are putting in place for people, quarantine and everything else, there is an economic factor as well. A lot of people can afford to sit home indefinitely. The government employees, you know, these people are getting paid and benefits and everything else they can afford. But private people, people like me, for instance, You know, my daughter has no employment. I myself have to work at some point, two weeks, three weeks, fine. But after that, if you don't, you can't pay anything. If you have to pay the bills at some point, you have to make ends meet. Bob in Shelburne called to say he's livid that the Trudeau Liberals initially introduced special powers as part of the emergency bill passed in Parliament this week, a measure that was retracted the same day it was proposed after backlash from the opposition Conservatives. I think that it would be extremely scary if Trudeau was given all the all the powers to spend all the money he wanted, okay, in the next year and a half or whatever it is. The guy has been a complete disaster since he got there, okay? We're in debt over $76 billion, okay, since he came on the scene. He's never ran a business in his life. What qualifications have they got to be the Prime Minister of Canada? We have a disaster on our hands right now. We all realize that, okay? But to give somebody that has no business experience whatsoever complete control over the economy I mean, it would be a disaster. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Lynn in Peterborough, whose daughter-in-law works at a long-term care home, which has already been struck by COVID-19. They don't have any help. They have no help. They have 65 residents, three people looking after them. They're all on trace. Three are already COVID-19 positive. Two residents died that weren't even confirmed COVID-19. I'm afraid all 70, all 65 probably have it and they can't get help. We have already notified the premier. Long-term care keeps phoning there. What do you need? They need help. They just need hands-on help. They've reached out to some of the private companies that provide PSWs. They can't get help. Even the staff, they're all out on quarantine. Eight of them are COVID-19. And like I say, my daughter-in-law works in activities, but she's doing frontline work because she feels badly. That does it for today's Best to Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us from noon to one weekdays at 416-360-0740 on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca and follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of fight back the best of fight back is produced by jane brown justin eacock and zeve hadi 
with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.